Hey everyone, welcome to the Revive West Des Moines podcast. I'm Jamie Richards, the Young Adult Minister at Hope West Des Moines. What you are about to hear is the live recording from Revive West Des Moines this past week. We hope you can connect with God and the good life that God has for you through what you hear in this message. Give it a listen. So listen, Michael, your branch has been doing great lately and your sales staff is reporting very strong numbers. Outperforming last year, in fact. Um, and I don't know exactly how to put this, but what are you doing right? Right what? Utica, Albany, all the other branches are struggling, but your branch is reporting strong numbers. Look, you're not our most traditional guy, but clearly something you are doing is right, and I just, I need to get a sense of what that is. David, here it is. My philosophy is basically this, and this is something that I live by, and I always have, and I always will. Don't ever, for any reason, do anything to anyone, for any reason, ever, no matter what, no matter where, or who or who you are with or or where you are going or or where you've been ever for any reason whatsoever sometimes I'll start a sentence and I don't even know where it's going I just hope I find it along the way like an improv conversation an improvisation this is gonna sound sort of high maintenance, but could we have it like three degrees cooler in here? I always think better when it's cooler. Here's the thing, Michael is doing something right, and in this economic climate, no method of success can be ignored. It's not really time for executives to start getting judgmental now. It's Hail Mary time. Hey, what say we order up some pasta? What say we do? Ah, good old Michael Scott, always good for a laugh. So, good evening, everyone. I am excited to be here with you all, whether you're joining us here in person or joining us online. My name is Michael Jordan, and I'm a pastoral intern here at Hope. Tonight, we are still on this 40-day journey in Lent of this space between. It is a little strange to think, actually, that we're really close to the near, near the end of these 40 days. As Jamie just mentioned during announcements, we're about to enter into Holy Week, which also is the time that we move out of these 40 days of Lent. I think it's then also fitting that we're focusing in on what does leadership look like? Specifically, biblical leadership. Leadership by the Bible. So we're not going to be using Michael Scott um, and his philosophy moving forward or any of his improvisations, but we will be thinking about how can we continue to lead ourselves and others in this space between of now and not quite yet. So whenever I hear this word, leadership, I usually picture great leaders and have a bunch of words like activator, motivator, equipper, all those words flowing through my mind. And of course, there are countless books, articles, and resources about what leadership is and what it means to be a great leader. Leadership starts with how we lead others, those around us. There's always going to be that component in leadership, those relationships. Leadership can be about how to affect change in others, how to bring them from point A to point B. Sometimes leadership gets a little bit more personal and it focuses in on the habits of highly effective leaders. 
The idea being that we need to have a strong internal foundation before we can effectively lead those around us. And a lot of times when I think about great leaders, I think about how they empowered others to continue on a journey long after they were no longer around. The ripple effects of their leadership then spread throughout their closest followers and reverberates for generations to come. And all of these things can be included in leadership. But as followers of Christ, we're also drawn into and towards a different kind of leadership. Now, some folks use leadership as a way to elevate their own status and lord it over others. We see Jesus talking about that here in that text from Mark. The rulers, those in positions of leadership, were boasting and bragging about their power and authority. They were able to utilize and abuse their power to create a system in which they could remain in those positions of power indefinitely. For these leaders believed that is what made them great. Those around them in this society believe and live into that too. It becomes part of their own identity to think that the only way to be great is to have this immense amount of power and authority and then to make sure everyone around you knows it. Since these people are in these positions of power, they must be great leaders. But Jesus, he is telling his disciples it must not be this way among them. He wants them to lead in a different way. It can be easy for some of us to look at that type of leadership and see the massive pitfalls with it. And some of you here tonight might not see yourself in a leadership position. And so you might believe that it is easy to avoid any leadership pitfalls because you don't see yourself as a leader. Any time, though, that you were with a group, there is an opportunity for us to lead. Each and every one of you, whenever you're with a group, there's an opportunity for you to lead. We can still be leaders by our own example. We can even start to try to live into this way of leading that Jesus is telling us that whoever wants to be great must become a servant. However, when we begin to look solely inward upon ourselves and begin to believe that we are now great because we are serving, we can miss the point again. If we start believing that we deserve something because of what we did, that's a warning bell to check ourselves. James and John were dealing with this very issue, which is what led the 10 other disciples to get mad with them. Just before this moment of anger from the disciples, James and John were asking Jesus to put them at his right and left hand in heaven. They weren't looking for any positional leadership right now, but they wanted to know that it was all going to be worth it in the end, that they would get what they felt they deserved. I mean, they had given up so much to follow Jesus. They left their family and their friends behind to follow this person who was teaching them about a new way of living. And so they started to feel entitled to this. They were owed this from Jesus because they deserved this for all of the effort they had been putting in. And of course, this then would make the other disciples angry for they too had given up the same things as James and John. Now, Mark's gospel is full of stories where the disciples keep missing the point Jesus is trying to make. And I can just picture all the disciples in this scene starting to argue amongst themselves, huddling really close and uh, talking about who deserves these places of honor in heaven. And Jesus is probably just off to the side, shaking his head yet again. These disciples are focusing in on who deserves to feel the best about themselves because of all the service they have been doing here. And I can see where they're coming from because we can never fully remove ourselves from any act of service. 
A selfless act is just one where we put someone else's needs above our own. But we are still a part of that act. We too can and most likely will be changed in some way through that service. When we are only helping someone else out though to feel better about our own selves or to get something from them later on, we're missing this leadership point. Because when you're truly diving in to this servant leadership, when you're focused on serving your neighbor, you're not thinking about what you deserve from this. So where tonight can we start with this leadership of service? It can start by re-envisioning where you are right now in your lives and reimagining what this servant leadership could be like. So let's take a look at someone who tried to get himself and others to envision a different way of leading. This hospital is a city unto itself. We perform the world's first C-section and the world's first maternity ward. I know the history. The dean makes me tell it to every new medical director. And how many of those have you worked with? Five in five years. Will everyone in the cardiac surgical department please raise your hands? Great. Great, thank you. You're all fired. Any department who places billing above care, you will be terminated. So, how can I help? You know, we all feel like the system is too big to change. We'll call you when we have a doctor available, okay, hon? But we are the system, and we need to change. Let's be doctors again. Going somewhere? I have to tape segments with the morning show. I actually expect you to practice medicine because it's your job. You're funny. We have a patient presenting all the signs of malaria, TB, or... Ebola. I need you to do a throat biopsy. Just take a second. Sure. Uh, for what patient? Uh, me. This girl has been abused three times in the foster care system. If you can't help Gemma as a doctor, then just help her as a human being. Am I allowed to do that? You are now. Why did you perform half as many procedures as your colleagues? Because there's other ways to help people than by cutting them open. Run the cardiac surgical department. There is no cardiac surgical department. Then build one. Sometimes I join you. Let you help it now. Me. Forget it. I'm going in. Dr. Bloom, wait! Gemma, what do you want to happen? Nobody's ever asked me that before. When you're in the half light, Working here, being able to save someone else's sister or someone's daughter you only show to me. It's a dream come true. They're not going to let you come in here and just help people. So let's help as many as we can before they figure us out. You need to slow down. You have cancer. But you knew that, didn't you? How can I help? So just a quick show of hands, or for those of you online, you can put it in the chat. How many of you have seen the show New Amsterdam? All right, a couple of you, all right. So yes, that was a trailer for the series premiere of New Amsterdam, which is a medical drama on NBC, which is now in its third season. It's based on a true story of a medical director in New York City who in this show is Dr. Max Goodwin. And I know it seems like that clip was full of spoilers if you ever want to watch it at a later date, but those, all those things are covered just in the first few episodes. 
So when Max starts at New Amsterdam as the new medical director, he shakes things up right away, as you saw from the firing of the entire cardiac surgical department, and then telling the rest of the staff that they are the ones that need to change if they want the system to change. He wants them to dive back into doing what they had studied and trained to be, in this case, to be doctors. Max was having them look at the roles they were in and reimagine their positions to do this in a way with a primary focus returning to being about caring for people. Now, it's important to realize there are going to be forces getting in your way when you try to lead like this. We have people and systems still in place today that seek to continue to keep those in power um, with those positions of power. Which is why I love that part of the clip where Max is being told that they, in this case the hospital board, are not going to let him just help people. What a novel idea, right? You go to a hospital and expect to get help? A recurring theme throughout this entire show is finding creative ways to pay for all of Max's ideas on how to actually help people. And Max's response is so great in that moment. Let's help as many people as we can. Let's help as many people as we can. When we want to lead others, it can be overwhelming thinking about where to start or the people or systems that can get in our way. But instead of worrying about what might stop him, Max is just focused on helping as many as he can right now. And whenever I begin to feel overwhelmed about the vast number of people who need to be cared for, or all the horrible things that still happen in this world today, or how there are still systems in place just seeking their own power and glory, whenever those things start to overwhelm me, I try to remember this story about starfish. And there have been different variations of this story over the years, but it goes something like this. A young girl was walking along a beach upon which thousands of starfish had been washed up during a terrible storm. When she came to each starfish, she would bend down, pick it up, and then throw it back into the ocean. People watched her with amusement. She had been doing this for some time when a man approached her and said, Little girl, what are you doing? Look at this beach. You can't save all these starfish. You can't begin to make a difference. The girl then seemed crushed, suddenly deflated, starting to feel overwhelmed. But after a few more moments, she bent back down, picked up another starfish, and hurled it as far as she could into the ocean. Then she looked up at the man and replied, Well, I made a difference for that one. The old man looked at the girl inquisitively and thought about what she had done and what she was saying. Eventually, he felt inspired, so he joined the little girl in throwing starfish back into the sea. And then soon others, more, soon others joined in, and then all the starfish were saved. And I think that's also why Dr. Max, in this New Amsterdam show, asks over and over again, how can I help He's not worried about all the systems uh, in place at this time. He wants to help as many people as he can, knowing that it will make a difference right now while he's also still working on changing this overall system. And I like that phrase he asks in the show over and over again, how can I help? Those four words, they can roll off the tongue pretty easily. But tonight, I want us to change that phrase just slightly. Instead of help, I want us to think serve. How can I serve? When we transform from helping into serving, we begin to see those we are serving as equals, as another human being. 
Going back to that New Amsterdam clip, when Iggy, the psychiatrist, is talking about Gemma, the girl who has been abused in the foster care system, he is realizing that nothing he does seems to be working. He wonders if he will ever be able to help her. Max, instead of giving up, encourages him to treat her, not as a doctor, but just as another human being. When we serve in this way, our full selves can enter into that act of service as well, not with an agenda or with the hopes of greater status or an IOU to be cashed in at a later date, but just to care for that other human. Now, bringing your full self into something can sound scary, for we are all broken and we can want to hide that brokenness from others, especially when we feel like we need to lead. However, sometimes that brokenness, our own brokenness, is the exact type of humanness we need in order to meet that other person and to serve them. When we're serving, we don't need to have all the answers. We don't need to have it all figured out or everything arranged perfectly ahead of time. When we help, we become aware of our own strength. But when we serve, we don't serve with our strength. We serve with ourselves and we can draw from all of our experiences. When we don't rely just on our own strength, it can open us up to having God work through us to lead those around us in ways of service we might not have even ever imagined. Also, when we are just trying to help or fix something, there's always going to be that possibility of creating a power dynamic because the person we are helping may begin to rely on us and the temptation would then come for us to use that as a way to lord it over them. Or potentially we might need to fix these things just to feel good about ourselves. Helping is not a relationship between equals. Even if the helper is unaware of this, the one being helped often can feel this inequality. Service, though, service is a relationship between equals, where our service strengthens us as well as others. Fixing and helping can be draining, and over time, we may burn out or feel entitled to something in return that can make us resentful to those around us. But service is renewing. In helping, we might find a sense of satisfaction. In serving, we find a sense of gratitude. When we are serving others, it can also allow us to be able to accept service from another. I intentionally wanted to leave the end of that clip in where we discover Max has cancer, and now he is the one being asked, how can I help? Leaders need help too. When we are trying to hold on to this power that we think we have, or we think that we are the only ones who can help or fix something, we sometimes hide the vulnerable parts of ourselves, the parts of us that also need help. But when we remove this idea that leadership equals power, or leadership makes me feel better, or gets me things I deserve, we can unashamedly accept this service from others as a gift. So even though you might not be in a defined position of leadership or have the role um, that is specified as a leadership role, we will always be in spheres of relations that allow for leadership. Whenever we are with others, there is an opportunity to lead through serving. And when we enter those spaces to serve, it can be life-giving for us too. And Jesus is here calling us to serve all. We see this in Mark's gospel right after this conversation with his disciples. If you're following along in your Bibles, this is now Mark 10, verse 46. 
Jesus is showing his disciples again and again what this service looks like and what it means for them as leaders. As the disciples are leaving Jericho, they come across a blind beggar named Bartimaeus who is sitting by the roadside. He shouts out to Jesus, but those around him try to silence him. Jesus, though, being attentive and aware to the needs of those around him, hears this man and calls him forth. And this next part is great. Jesus then asks him, what do you want? Of course, Jesus would know all the things Bartimaeus could want, but I see this question here more for us. I wonder if anyone ever asked Bartimaeus that question. We may think we know what Bartimaeus wants, and we may even be right, but here, Jesus still asks first. And then, when Bartimaeus shares that his desire is to see again, Jesus responds accordingly. Not only does he heal Bartimaeus' sight, but Jesus is also bringing healing restoration to Bartimaeus within the community. He is showing to others that Bartimaeus is a human worthy of dignity and love. Bartimaeus, being so moved and being filled with gratitude from this act of service from Jesus, now follows along with Jesus. And Jesus has been giving his disciples, as well as us today, examples over and over again of how to lead in this space between. Jesus is not seeking our self-serving notions of greatness or future personal glory. Way back when we started this 40-day journey of the space between in Lent, Jamie shared a message about Jesus being in the wilderness for 40 days. Instead of giving into the temptations in the desert, he continued to be a faithful servant. And then, coming out of the wilderness, he humbly continued serving those around him, teaching, healing, and being present with so many. He never asked for anything in return. He didn't expect for people to honor or revere him just because he spent those 40 days in the wilderness. He did this because that's what it meant to be a servant leader. And now, we as a church are just days away from, beginning into, from jumping into Holy Week, starting with Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday, we get to celebrate this triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem, where people are shouting in the streets, Hosanna, and laying down palm branches and their cloaks, greeting Jesus as they would a king. And Jesus could, at that moment, seize that opportunity to be an earthly king, but he's looking for something greater, for something more important. He continues to serve and teach. Then on Monday, Thursday, we celebrate Jesus' Last Supper, which gives us part of the foundation for communion today, a place where all are welcome at the table to share in this meal and be filled with the bread of life. And even though Jesus knows this is his last meal with his disciples, he doesn't make it all about himself. Instead, he continues to serve them by washing their feet. If you read in John's Gospel in John, um, in John 13, it talks about how he takes on this lowest level of a servant to wash someone else's stinky, dirty feet but he takes that on to continue to show what it means to be a servant leader. And then ultimately, Jesus took on this being a servant to all to bring each and every one of us this everlasting grace and love through the cross. There was no way to see greatness in someone hanging on the cross, but once again, Jesus wasn't seeking our notions of greatness. He sought to serve Jesus gave his life not only for the blind man in Jericho, not only for his disciples who constantly were blind to what he was actually trying to do, not just for those who were with him at the end, but for all of us, even now, today, and into the future. All of us. 
And Jesus did this not through seeking the love of power, but through the power of love. This leadership of love is an act that comes deep from within ourselves. It is part of our being with God as part of his glorious creation. We get to share in this love because it would be too painful for us not to. It would become almost silly for us to not do something when we feel this love building from deep within us. When we lead through service, we don't do it so God will love us more. We serve life not because it is broken, but because it is holy. We serve because it was God who first served. To be human is to be like Jesus, who came not to be great, but to lead through service. Whenever we do an act of love for someone else, someone that we feel that deep love for, be that a spouse, a fiancé, a parent, a child, a sibling, or even a close, significant friend, when we feel that deep love building inside of us, we can do that act for them almost without thinking. That's because we don't really have to think about it. It just happens as a natural outflowing of our love for that person. And we do it without expecting something in return. We aren't given a higher level of authority or a greater position because of it. We just do it because of the love we feel and have experienced. And now Jesus is expanding this loving service outward because this love God shows us over and over again wells up inside of us to be poured out for everyone, all of our neighbors around us, a grace upon grace. This gratitude we feel from God's love is then easily shared with others. This leadership of serving others, caring for them, meeting their needs becomes something we don't even have to think about. It literally just happens in and with us. So when we lead others through serving them, our work itself can renew us because we then are constantly being reminded and filled with this love from God that we get to see in action. So even if we aren't sure we're prepared to lead those in whatever group we may be a part of, God can and does empower us and you to serve even if you don't feel ready. Because when God is calling us or is calling you to lead, God will be with you. And that's because God is ultimately leading us all by serving us every day with his everlasting love. And so we can always return to this love from God as our continual source of servant leadership. And so I want to encourage you to take this servant leadership for a test drive in the coming week. Try asking that question, how can I serve? And turn that question into a prayer and lift it up to God How can I serve? And then you can go on to ask God to highlight those in your life that he wants you to be with, to lead them through serving them. And then ask God what he is calling you to do specifically with them in their lives. And then even feel free to ask that person, what do you want? How many times does someone ask you that? What do you want? And so as you're lifting this prayer up to God, how can I serve? Be ready for an answer. And then, when you get an answer, actually respond. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's stand and continue with worship. Thanks for listening, everyone. Revive West Des Moines happens every Thursday night at Hope in West Des Moines, and we'd love to connect with you on social media. So find us and let us know where you're listening from. And whenever you're in town, we would love to have you come to Revive and join us live. Peace out, Scouts.